The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So Mark Lawrenson, what's the reaction in Liverpool to the news that the club might be sold? Well, I think that was the headline, Matt, but I think once you read into it and saw the statement from FSG, I think a bit like selling your house. Um, If you don't want to sell it, you can still have it valued. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to sell it. I I just think, looking at it, it would appear that they want to know what they could sell the club for. But once they know that, I think then they might be thinking, well, you know, we might sell 20% of it to somebody, some investor somewhere, obviously to raise some capital. I don't, I don't see the football club being up for sale per se. Mm, what do you think, Miguel Delaney, chief football writer with The Independent? Yeah, I've been talking to people about this story today and it's, it's very similar. I mean, as someone put it to me, with, with selling a football club, it's sometimes it's a matter of semantics. I mean, to a certain degree, all clubs are always for sale. It's not like putting, putting it on the market on Foxton's. It's about getting the, the, uh, the right offer. But what most owners are actually looking for, and as uh, Mark referenced there, they're looking for this silver bullet, essentially, of being able to sell a portion of the club, but retaining control. Now, <coughs> sorry, to a degree, that's what um, the consortium that bought Chelsea have got with, uh, with Todd Bowley and, 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 and Clear Lake Investors. Um, and I, from what people have been saying, that feels more along the lines of the situation. But also, as the statement said, um, they've been willing to sell the club for some time if, again, the right right offer comes along. But there's a massive potential profit to be made from a full sale because, as we heard from Ian Guider in the business news, 300 million quid to buy the club initially in 2010. Obviously investment since then. But if you're talking about the potential of selling the club now based on the Chelsea transaction at something around three and a half, four, four and a half billion quid, I mean, that's just such a massive profit. It'd be very difficult to turn that away, wouldn't it? Yeah, although you'd have to wonder whether they think they can get more, given they've already invested in the stadium renovation. Uh, as you say, the, the Chelsea purchase influenced that. Although we are, e- even six months down the line, we're already in a kind of a different financial world than we were six months ago. That's true. Um, t- t- talking to people, I-, I think there's obviously been tentative interest. I know the Ricketts, uh, family who had also expressed an interest in Chelsea and have been monitoring the Tottenham Hotspur situation w- would possibly consider something with Liverpool. But as I mean, when we had a similar story with Manchester United a few months ago, I think it it, it does feel a lot of this is almost kind of um, a lot of different parties testing the water. And and for the moment, well, I mean, the story was broken by David Ornstein, who's an excellent, well connected journalist. Um, but for the moment, I'd still say it's a case of, of wait and see. So as Mark Lawrence, what you're positing is an interesting approach, but then it's a question of whether it would be the sale of new shares to raise money to buy players or a straight sale to give money to the existing owners. Now, some of that could obviously be reinvested. And yeah. there are suggestions, I mean, that Liverpool have to find ways to raise money. If they want to, for example, buy Jude Bellingham to bolster the midfield next summer and maybe mm-hmm. one or two other players as well, that would take such an enormous amount of cash that it might require require the investment of new equity. Yeah, I, but I think, you know, generally the, the owners of FSG, they, they've not sort of put the club in any jeopardy with the, with the amount of money they've been spending, Matt. Um, they've been very, obviously, in terms of 
you know, the, the new main stand, which I think was about 110 million, uh, the Hampfield Road end, which should be finished in just under a year, that's anything between 60 and 80 million pounds. Yes, yes, they want to have some money to buy players. Look, they, everybody knows, the world and his wife know that they need players. I think they need, you know, midfield players between the ages kind of 23 to 26, 27, and then Klopp can get the pressing game going yet again. So, They've, they've, they've always been great with the manager, and the manager understands how it works at Liverpool. He's understood from day one that you know you, you, know, you don't spend 150 million if you've only got 100 million, and, and that's the way that they operate. And in all honesty, it's been extremely successful. So I think that's just the way that they will go forward. Of course, it also comes on a day when they've got the draw of the last yeah. 16 in the Champions League. Uh, done now for our enjoyment next February. And what a draw it is. Last year's mm. final, uh, playing home leg first against Real Madrid, presumably wanting to build up a lead. Now, an awful lot can happen between now and February, but on current form, this looks like a particularly tough draw for Liverpool, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, Madrid kept them at arm's length in the, in the, uh, in the final back in May, although the goalkeeper was the outstanding play for, for, for Real Madrid. Look, we don't we don't know where they'll be by the time February comes. We've got the World Cup coming up, etc. It remains to be seen, Matt. It's a fantastic fixture, and the other thing, while we're still on about it, and we, we, you know, obviously with Madrid as well, I think last year, and we're talking about money here, last year that that when Liverpool got through to the final, I think they made, sorry, or they took, not made, over a hundred million pounds. So. You've got to factor that in as well. So it's it's a big, big fixture for the football club, this. You have to factor in as well, Miguel, that given the way the league form has gone, even with the win over Tottenham the other night, that they're still in a position whereby they might have been thinking they'd have to win the Champions League. Now they might be out at the last 16 stage and then have to concentrate their focus on getting into the top four to stay in Europe next season. Well, yeah, uh, all this is swirling around the game. Um, and Madrid, of course, actually have uh, Benzema injured as well. So there's a little bit of uncertainty about them. But then we said that throughout all last season. The mm-hmm. one thing about this, I mean, it's usually at this point of the draw. I mean, it usually takes place at the start of December. And we talk about how so much can change between December and February. It's, it's a long time, a, a lot of football to be played. But, of course, that's even more pronounced this year because we've got that World Cup in the middle of it. And, the, I mean, I don't think it can be underestimated how much this could really skew the remainder of this season, right down to I mean, it, it could I mean it could come down to almost not the pot look, but what what ch- big Champions League teams how how many players they have going to the last week of the tournament, which is basically as far as the quarterfinals. What that does to them physically, what it does to them psychologically. Especially, I mean, again, we've brought it up in the show before, but like the, the most famous example, Roberto Baggio basically struggled for a year after missing that penalty in '94. Look at Harry Harry Kane last season. Look at Harry Maguire with England. And so I think it's almost why trying to make a prediction on it now. It's it's like it's more difficult than usual. And actually, if you look at Liverpool last season, it wasn't until January. I mean, they had they were relatively uncertain for a while as well. Granted, not to the degree they are now, but it wasn't until January they actually suddenly picked up form and went in that incredible run that saw them on the brink of four trophies. Of course, another one, Miguel, that really stands out and on current form, Bayern Munich aren't going great up against PSG. But the way PSG implode every year in the Champions League, I can't imagine they'd have wanted to see Bayern Munich as their opposition. No, but that's the price of finishing second of their group to Benfica. And really, PSG, given their riches, given all those stars, 
they shouldn't be in a situation. And well, and given what they are as a project, as we've brought up so many times as well, owned by Qatar and all the controversy there, they shouldn't be in a position where they're finishing behind Benfica, a big club, a big historic club, but from a medium league. And it makes this an acid test for PSG again, because I mean, they've only been to one final in all this time. They have, I know that they they beat Bayern two years ago, but that was in a lockdown, and it was when Bayern didn't have Lewandowski when they were champions of Europe. Uh, and Bayern still retained that sort of old world stature or traditional power stature that Real Madrid have that PSG lost to last season in that amazing game at the Bernabeu. And so it just posed a different test. And again, we come back to it. We, I mean, because with basically with Messi and Neymar at the moment, it's very clear that their focus is to be at peak condition for this World Cup. Um, so we could have the after effects on that. But yeah, it's another one of those games where PSG have to prove themselves, which is going to be, as with Manchester City, it's going to remain the case until one of these two state-run clubs actually wins the Champions League. Yeah, and Manchester Matt. City, Mark, yes? yes. Well, I was going to say about PSG, I don't think they'll ever be successful until they start building from the back rather than the front. I think that's their main problem. And what about Manchester City? Is Leipzig the best draw they could have had? Happy days, Matt. They'll be coming back on that plane now, wherever wherever the draw's been. They'll be coming back on the plane, having a little glass of champagne and going, here we go, boys. Actually, on Manchester City, uh, given that Liverpool's financial situation is so different, we were hearing Ian Miguel earlier from Ian about the profits made by Manchester City on their highest ever turnover. But it's not questionable in that how much of that turnover comes from sponsorship from connected parties? Well, this is going to be a, a test of those because another announcement today. It's going to be a test of the new regulations of the Premier League. Um, and, and, and let's not forget as well, there's an ongoing four-year investigation into Manchester City by the Premier League. And, he, and even oh, the, 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 the current situation, it, it all comes on the back of a takeover in 2008 and even before financial fair play came in where over £2 billion pounds would have been pumped into the club because it's not just about renovating the squad, but also building an entire infrastructure to build a mega club. And I know there's, there's been kind of some... Not, I don't want to say crowing, but you know, all of, obviously these... The headlines from these accounts have been presented as very good for City, a, a, a show of progress, but as if this is some kind of lesson for the game. It isn't a lesson for the game because it's to, to basically to compete with that, you've got to. And this is, I suppose, relevant to the, what we're talking about on the top of the segment with Liverpool. You basically need a state or a super billionaire to take over and be able to invest in a kind of a super modern infrastructure straight away. And that, that's where that's where football in 2022-23 is going. And then what about the Europa League playoff match draw, Mark? Barcelona against Manchester United. How the mighty have fallen. Yeah, yeah, well, Barcelona have become a little bit of a basket case, haven't they? And, you know, they're selling off all parts of, all parts of their, their organisation. And buying lots of players with the money. I know, I know. I mean, how on earth? I mean, I'm just listening there when you're talking about City and everything. I mean, you know, the financial fair play, whatever it's called nowadays, Really, does it matter? Have, have, have too many or have enough clubs ever been really seriously punished? And if they do, they might get a fine map. If you get Manchester City a fine, I mean, what, what's that to them? So, yeah. Um, yeah, how they might be pulling the United, obviously, beaten as well at the weekend. But it's still a big fixture, isn't it? You know, we, we, we'll all sit and be glued to the television to watch it, even you, being a Leeds fan. I suppose I will. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of this? Good, bad weekend for Manchester United, Miguel. And 
Of all the teams to play in the next round, okay, Barcelona went out in ignominious fashion in the Champions League, but there still are plenty of good players there. Yeah, um, I suppose the, the questions of Barca have really been about the scale of their financial plan and the risk that's been put under, given they, they aren't in the Champions League and all the kind of commercial profile that comes with it. Also, maybe some questions about Xavi as a manager. But yeah, they've got an amazing squad. But it's quite interesting that week. So this is going to be the first moment in history, the first week in history, where the the two most successful clubs in England and two most successful clubs in Spain are meeting together at the same point in time. And even that, it's quite... It's quite rich in terms of where we are in the game right now in, in terms of kind of the storylines around it because all four are different examples of how you adapt to what the game is, particularly with the kind of power of clubs like Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain, as we're discussing. And it's, on, on one side, naturally, in the Champions League, it's Liverpool and Real Madrid. On the other side, showing how, how difficult they found it to adapt in the last few years. It's United and Barca meeting in the Europa League, which is, is itself symbolic. Um... And, and and two clubs kind of really trying to figure out a new identity. United, especially on the football pitch, as, as you said, um, there's still so so much to sort out there given the performance yesterday. Despite at the moment, with United it almost feels like two steps forward, one back. Mark Newcastle up to third now, but they yeah. are seven points behind an Arsenal team, which looks as if it could give us a title contest against Manchester City. Or is that too much to hope for, Mark? No, it's not too much to hope for. I thought I was really impressed with them yesterday. I thought I thought they were excellent. I thought they could have won the game uh, easier. Could have scored more goals, etc. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm still to this minute not think. I can't work out how Chelsea lined up. It was very, very, very strange. But that's they've obviously got their own problems. But no, Arsenal very, very good. And yeah, yeah, very much, very much that at the moment a real. The only real serious threat to Manchester City at the moment. I thought of you, Mark, at around 10 past four on Saturday after Friday's prediction when you told me so confidently Leeds would beat Bournemouth and Leeds were 3-1 down and they came back to win 4-3. But seriously, are they not going to be in a relegation battle if they can't win more games like these, perhaps a little bit more comfortably? Because they could have been four or five down at one stage against Bournemouth. they could, but they, but they weren't. Um, and it, it worked for them on the day. It's never, ever going to always be like that. Uh, but I just think the fact that the six points from the last two games, Matt, I think they'll do a bit of shopping as well in January, won't they, and back the manager. Um, but you know what? There's, there's no lack of spirit at that football club, both on and off the pitch. And I, I don't see them getting relegated. And then the teams that are down there, Miguel, just talked to us briefly about Southampton firing Hasan Hotel as manager and going in Nathan Jones in. And Wolves may have made a very good signing as manager, but do they have the players to stay up? Um, they probably do, as well as their own Nathan Collins, who's one of the best defenders in the league at the moment. Yep. Um, I think Leeds have had a few other issues just because they've gone a bit stale. Um, but, you know, and Southampton, I think it's similar to Ralph Hasan Hotel, who I would say actually did a good job given that he came to Southampton at a period when they did start to kind of downscale and change approach and he kept them up. He did he did his job for so long. It just ran its course as these things do. Uh, but, you know, all, just even reference to Leeds there as well. It does point underneath, say, the, the, old, the, the recent big six as well as now Newcastle given their own by Saudi Arabia. The Premier League from, from the remaining 13... It's, a, it's an amazing division at the moment. It's like the championship in terms of how unpredictable it is. Even what you, you see mm. with Leeds, like two games ago, they were staring up to 
a certain relegation battle. <laughs> now they're a few points off the European places. Yeah, there's the optimistic way of looking at it. We'll finish there. Mark Lawrence, and thank you. And Miguel Delaney. And of course, Miguel is going to be with us regularly throughout the World Cup. He's going to be our man in Qatar. So we're very much looking forward to talking to him from there. And uh, we should know a little bit more about squads later in the week. See, Roberto Firmino hasn't made the Brazilian squad, which was announced today. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.